Hey everyone, Zach here. Uh, just wanted to give you a little bit of a heads up. Today's episode is in our standard format, but it's actually going to be considered a bonus episode. We got to interview a creator under some tight deadlines, and we wanted to go ahead and release this episode to you. You're still going to get your episode on Wednesday, so consider this a bonus uh, 45-minute full-length episode. And uh, we'll see you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to the Bite-Sized Gaming Podcast, the podcast that's serving up a buffet of RPG topics to get you through your week. My name is Zach, and the hosts joining me this evening are Troy Sandlin, and then uh, we've got a special guest today uh, by the name of William. How are you guys doing? I'm doing excellent. William, how are you doing? Feeling I'm pretty excited good. for this one. <laughs> uh, I'm, so, I'm excited for this one. Oh yeah, this is going to be a really special episode. Uh, we have a smaller crew tonight, and uh, we're really excited to talk with our guest. I think that you're going to find this episode strays from our norm a bit. Um, not only in that we get to talk to a uh, another creator, which we always like, um, but also, we're not going to be talking about D&D that much. We're going to talk about a different RPG as our main topic. And um, I'm really excited to get to share some of my uh, love of sci-fi and horror and all that goody goodness with our listeners a bit more. So, anyhow, let's break down how this podcast works. Uh, for those of you who maybe this is your first time listening, we're going to do two courses this evening. Uh, because we live here in America, we're going to eat our dessert first. We're going to get full on all the sweet goodness of a whole bunch of little uh, bite-sized topics, a lot of news articles, new products, things of that nature. And then later on, we'll get into our main course, and we'll talk with William about his uh, Kickstarter. Uh, so let's go ahead and get down to business. Uh, before we start, I always want to give our guest an opportunity. William, is there anything uh, that you would like to throw onto the pile um, as far as projects that you've seen out there, new products that are interesting to you, news articles, anything that you found of note? Um, not really at the moment. No problem. I dug around a lot. Well, I know uh, being a uh, someone who's done a Kickstarter, um, these can consume most of your time while they're up and running um <laughs> at least uh, of my first one uh most of my day every day is spent clicking the refresh button um and seeing what's happening so. i was just about to say yeah my life is revolving around the refresh button <laughs> <laughs> yes uh it gets better after the first one um but but that first one man it's like you live and die by that needle uh by that dashboard on kickstarter and that that uh, uh the graph, graph go- yes the graph going up or down the activity feed everything that goes with it yep so <laughs> no problem man it's like having kids it's yeah like having kids <laughs> it's not yeah. for sale yet the one thing i would say and it kind of does lead into today is i am looking forward to uh gradient descent which is about to come out which is also a module for mothership yeah what do you so so okay. what is what excites you about that so gradient descent um it's a mega dungeon um it's mm. the best way i could describe it it's a more horror centered system shock if you've ever played system shock okay 
Okay. Um, essentially, there's this company called uh, SkyCloud, or sorry, CloudBank. Um, they make the androids of this universe. Uh, they decided that the best way to produce these androids was to have one giant AI over building them. Um, hmm. To its own because downfall, well. the, a- the AI decided um, it took pride in its job. It started making these androids and not only made them better, but faster um, to the point where people couldn't tell if these androids were even androids, if they were human or not. Mm. People got really miffy about that because, you know, no one wants their androids talking back to them and thought about closing the AI down. It didn't take that very well. No. And now CloudBank is, short, long story short, AI took over the entire facility. Um, there's a corporate blockade that surrounds it, so nothing can get in and get out. And people still try to like break into CloudBank to try and steal technology to make a quick buck. Hmm. That's really cool. And you say that's for uh, that's called Gradient Descent. Yep, Gradient Descent. Was that a Kickstarter, or how did you hear about that? And we'll make I'll post some links for our our listeners. Yeah, it is. Uh, it was a Kickstarter. Um, let's see. Cool. Yeah, it's not up for sale just yet. But I, you know, once it goes out for delivery, I imagine it'll probably go up sooner or later. Yeah, and typically these these products um, that are kickstarted, if you go to their Kickstarter page, it'll eventually point you to where you can get the product once that goes up. So um, we'll we'll find something and we'll point our listeners because that sounds really cool. Actually, um, I am fascinated by a like sci-fi uh, robot mega dungeon. That sounds cool. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that, um, Troy. What do you have for us tonight? Well, I'm, I have a couple. Um, the first one is the Unearth Arcana uh, ha- released some new feats, and I'm sure everybody knows about that. The uh, the survey is up right now, so hopefully uh, tomorrow or whenever you're hearing this, uh, you'll be able to read through that article real quick and uh, give your feedback. Hmm. And these feats... Uh, they're kind of, I feel like they're, they're trying to, to make your character a little bit more uh, nuanced. You have things like the Crusher, which gives you, uh, basically your, your, your deal is you like bludgeoning weapons. And of course, they've got a piercer, the slasher, and it does a little bit. They've got a, a, a feat for being a chef. Uh, you hmm. can actually make little tasty treats that gives you uh, some bonus, uh, some, some temporary hit points. Um, I, I think these feats have nuggets of really, really cool ideas in them. Mm-hmm. I think they need to be, you know, massaged a little bit, but I definitely like the idea of where this is going so that you can, you can be that. Well, I want to be a fighter, but mm-hmm. I also want to, you know, have a little bit of extra eldritchness or, uh, artificerness to me for for whatever reason yeah and it offers a good spread it allows you to kind of uh get a taste of a class without diving fully into that class um 
Yes. Sort of thing. Yes. So, uh, William, are you a uh, are you a D and D player, or do you stick to the sci fi side of things? I mean, I definitely play D and D. I actually work at a hobby shop. Oh, cool. Um, we occasionally, you know, do run one shots here and there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started out playing Pathfinder though, so oh yeah, a lot more crunch there. So yep. moving to Five uh, E was interesting. <laughs> yeah, I was I was also one of the uh, the Pathfinder carryovers, um, and it's definitely a shock to to go from a system that you can that literally has hundreds of options for everything and feet trees and uh, a dozen of a dozen of every option to to a streamlined system that doesn't care about that. So what do you mean I don't get a feat every other level for free? <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Yeah, right. Uh, only only four levels and it and it cost me something? That's so cool. Um <laughs> What do you what do you mean I can build a character using just one book? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um Okay, yeah, Troy, I'm in agreement. I like some of these feats. Um, I think all of them have some amount of potential, but several of them, especially we were talking about uh, before this episode went up about the uh, the shield bearer, whatever mm-hmm. it's called, uh, feat shield training. Shield training uh, basically gives you stuff that you already probably have, and it doesn't give you anything that's so desirable that you would want to take a feat for it. Um. So if you, yeah, yeah, it's, it's so weird. You might as well just dip into another class as opposed to taking this feed is my opinion. So, um, there's definitely several that are a mess, but I really like, like the, um, the poisoner feats really cool. Uh, mm-hmm. give you a way to do some poison damage consistently. I think that's a good thing for a rogue. We don't really have that right now. Um, so, uh, props to them for, and I, like you said, the chef and the crusher are really cool. So. Mm-hmm. We're getting there, and yeah. I think this next round of feats is going to be fun. Uh, I do too. I agree. Let's stay on the uh, D&D track one more time here. Uh, Troy, talk to us about a product that just got announced. Oh, it just got announced today is when I saw it. Uh, Curse of Strahd revamped. <laughs> See what they did there? <laughs> revamped. Got mm. it. Uh, this is... Uh, I, everybody has been hearing about it you know, in, in, in the, in the world of, uh, role-playing games, the, uh, the inclusion, uh, how, you know, maybe Wizards of the Coast isn't being as inclusive as they should be or, you know, whatever. Um, then this comes out and this has been actually been in the works for several, several months. And, uh, it's doing what they have said that they wanted to do. It's taking out, uh, of Curse of Strahd, some of those questionable, uh, aspects, uh, their treatment of Vistani, how it was very close to uh, the Romani of our world, and how you know they didn't want a negative connotation, and uh, because these are very, you know, the Vistani are very, uh, how do you want, to, how do I put it, uh, Hammer Films, Dracula, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing, yeah. and uh, some people were, you know, expressed some 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 issues. And also uh, their treatment of a what they refer to as a disabled character, and a lot of people didn't even realize this character is is uh, I guess quote unquote impaired in a way. And I really don't want to say who it is, just in case people out there haven't played it yet, even though it's you know mm-hmm. a year a couple years old. 
but uh, they wanted to go back in and change some of that wording. Mm-hmm. And uh, not only that, it cut, it's a it's a box set. Mm-hmm. The box is shaped like a like a coffin, and it looks looks very raven lofty. Uh, the the book inside this time around is a paperback since it is a box set, but uh, which if you know those those of you that, that are old enough to to remember the box set sets of the days gone by, uh, they all had uh, paperback books. But uh, they also have a new uh, Taroka deck in it, uh, a GM screen, uh, handouts, uh, a 20-page Creatures of Horror booklet, um, poster map of Barovia, and on the other side is Castle Ravenloft. Um, yeah, you've got handouts that you can give out. It, it's, to me, it's very, very similar to what Beetle and Grimm's yeah. are putting out, only the price point is only at 100 bucks. Yeah. so. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's it's a fifth of the price, and it's definitely not up to the same level of quality, but it, it evokes that. Right, right. Um, it's very similar to, uh, we just had the GUI Cube uh, Legion on a couple weeks ago, and um, it's very similar to the sort of thing that they're putting out as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And cool I, 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 the, the one thing that I want to say about this is I, I'm ha- happy for this because of all the people that have been speaking out against wizards and they have every right to, I I don't want to say that they don't. Um, but this hopefully is a, is another step forward to show that they really are trying to put their money where their mouth is. Mm. They're not just, you know, virtue signaling or, or whatever you want to call it to make themselves look good. They are actually trying to do something about it. Uh, they just put out a call not too long ago for a, uh, 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 oh, I don't even know what you, a sensitivity mm-hmm. uh, uh, manager or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, they're trying. They're really trying. I hope they keep, con- you know, going down this path because, you know, everybody deserves a voice, especially in role-playing games. Definitely. So. Cool. Well, uh, let's let's hop over, and I've got a couple more, and then we'll dive into the meat of tonight's episode. Um, I just want to touch real quick on, uh, we're going to release this episode pretty quick. We're recording it on a Monday, and we're going to kick it out the next morning for you folks on Tuesday, um, because a couple Kickstarters are ending really quickly um, that we haven't gotten to cover yet. One of those is Nightfell. Um, Nightfell is really cool for a couple of reasons. Um the setting itself, uh, it's a 5e setting, looks really cool. Um, the, 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 the brief pitch for it, it's a horror fantasy setting, a grim dark world under the influence of the moon. Um, the art is incredible. Um, it's got a lot of people on it that have worked for different companies that you're familiar with, like Paizo, like Money Cook Games, like Schwalb Entertainment, um, Starfinder, Numenera, Shadows of the Demon Lord, the Cypher System, all sorts of things. Uh, so its pedigree is really nice. Its art is incredible. Um, they've blown past all possible stretch goals they were shooting for about $12,000, and they're almost to $200,000. Um, so they're doing just fine. It ends in just a day or two. Um, why do we like this product? Um, I like it because... Rob Schwab. The- Rob Schwab. All right, go ahead, Troy. I know. <laughs> Fair enough. Talk about talk about uh, Rob for a moment. 
he he was one of the stretch goals uh, to to write a to write an adventure, and I'm sure he cre- uh, you know contributed to the product as well. Anything this guy touches is just sweetly creepy. <laughs> um, he he is an awesome creator, uh, a, an insanely prolific creator. Um, I don't know of too many people that can match his word count in a day. Mm. Um, but I mean, just an awesome individual, um, awesome to game with. And mm. as soon as I found out that night he was a part of this, not just from you know the video and the artwork that I saw, it's like, oh yeah, this looks really cool. I might have to get in on this. And then I saw Rob Schwab was involved, so it was a definite for me. Yeah. Um, and oddly enough piggybacking on the uh you know the the, the curse of Strahd revamped this could make it even darker if you were to combine the two mm-hmm. yeah and so. what i like about it is that they have divided it out into three books at this point so you have your core book which has like the campaign setting and all that um then there is a book that is called an adventure book it's going to be hardcover and it compiles all the adventures that they've unlocked through stretch goals and will put them in all in printed form. Uh, I think that's a really smart idea, especially for something that's made this much money. Um, it's a whole nother product. And it's a product that even if you don't want to run their setting, you could grab that book and, you know, tweak some things and have a whole book of adventures. And then lastly, they have a bestiary uh, full of all their new creatures. And again, that's something where maybe you don't want to run a Nightfell campaign. But who doesn't like having another 150 or however many monsters are in there? Uh, yeah. And it's going to look, the book looks amazing. The artwork's amazing. So uh, for like, I think it's 35 euros is the hardcover price for any of the books. And that's a pretty good deal for the quality that you're getting out of it. So I've uh, got some new dices. Yes. New dice um, with like lunar dice is what they're called. So yeah. Lunar moon faces. Yeah. Uh, so that's, uh, Nightfell. And last but not least, uh, just wanted to give a little shout out. Um, I went to, uh, my local FLG here in Kansas City a couple weeks ago, and I picked up a little zine called Dead Halt. And, uh, I've now had a chance to read it over, get a feel for it, and I love it. Um, Dead Halt is a... 90s themed aesthetic where you play as a group of maintenance workers who are tasked with taking care of a hotel. And the hotel is one of those lovely, weird, magical places where every floor that you take on the elevator takes you to a new place to explore. And it doesn't quite fit into space or time the way the world around it does. And you could open up a door and be on a spaceship or you could open up a door and be, um, um, in the back of a cave. Um, every, every layer has its own unique feel. And, um, I think it's just a really cool book. Uh, the leveling system's really fun. Um, and, and one of the things that I like is that you don't die in this book. Um, if you take enough damage to where basically you would die, um, you get modded. So like you roll a dice and it'll, they'll take 
they'll like take you down underneath the hotel and they'll take an arm or they'll take a leg or they'll take something and they will replace it with a robotic counterpart. And when you are completely robotic, which is, I think, five full repairs, uh, you become basically a non-playable character in the hotel and you go run off into the darkness and are part of the hotel's internal machinations. So it's just kind of weird. Hmm. Um, but that whole thing is weird. It's a weird book, but I think it's the type of RPG where you could sit down and play it a three hour game on a Friday night and have fun just picking it up, making characters and playing it. And then you wouldn't feel like you had to keep going. You wouldn't feel like you spent half your time learning rules. Um, you could just play for three hours and be done and play something else the next week. So uh, I would recommend it at this point, even though I haven't played it. Dead Holt, RPG Zine, and I'll post a link. Very cool. So, anyhow, that's our list, our community poll segment, our dessert round for this evening. Um, let's go ahead and dive into the meat yes. of tonight's episode. Uh, William, thank you so much for hanging out with us through uh, through those announcements. Thanks for adding to it. Um but let's talk a bit about Mothership. Let's talk about Not Even the Bones and everything we've got going on here. <clears throat> sure. Where do you want to start? Oh, my gosh. Okay, so I think we've got three prob- – my guess is we have three levels of Mothership experience here. Um, you've written something for it. I own it and I've read it through several times but have not gotten the group together to play it yet. And then Troy here uh, has has never even heard of it. Um, well, that's maybe too far. I've heard of it, but I didn't know, know anything about it. So what might help kind of get us all, at least on some level of a playing field, uh, Will, is if you would give us just a, a general overview of the mothership setting, what are we talking about when we talk about mothership? Yeah. So mothership is a sci-fi horror themed, uh, role-playing game, uh, from Tuesday night games, uh, written by a guy named Sean McCoy. Um, it's very twistable. You can kind of do whatever sort of sci-fi horror you really want. Uh, you can eat, lean a little bit more towards the less eldritch, like, alien mm. sort of thing. You know, you could have, like, a xenomorph stalking your ship, and you have to find a way to get off the ship, and you're getting stressed out while you're trying to get off. Mm-hmm. Um, or you could lean a little bit more into the Eldritch sort of thing. Maybe there's some artifact that you your crew is transporting, and it's you know causing you to hallucinate. And there's this weird creature that's maybe getting released. Uh, you can it can be twisted to a lot of different settings, but it plays very well. Probably the best that I've seen so far with this sort of thing for the sci-fi horror sort of genre. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. When I got it, um, I I bet I've had this book sitting on my shelf for over a year at this point. But it to me, um, it obviously came out before the Alien RPG, and I feel like at the time it was at least an answer there for if you love that sort of that. Uh, that space horror that alien did so well, here's a way to do that in an RPG setting. Um, it's not, it does not have the feel of a more bombastic swashbuckling 
uh, thing like Starfinder or Star Wars or something like that. It's it, it it's a lot more subtle. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Um, it's a lot more. It's a lot less. There is fighting. I mean, I was about to say that it's not a combat heavy game, but I think that it's more in tune to the psychological side. Definitely. Yeah. In Mothership, fighting is probably one of your absolute last things that you want to get involved in. Mm. It is incredibly easy for a um, PC to die in this RPG, (laughs) Um, which, you know, plays into how it would actually be if your player stepped in front of a combat shotgun. Chances Mm. are IRL, they'd be (laughs) uh, a puddle. Yep. Yep, yep, exactly. Um, the whole book of Mothership uh, is a zine, right? Like, there's, you, you're not, we're not talking about, the, the core rule book is 40 pages. Um, and I think that includes, like, a, a oh. sample adventure, um, if I remember that right. Um, um, I can't remember if it has the sample adventure in this one or not. Either way, um, I, I, I definitely don't want to misspeak, so let's... Let's let, let me back up here. Look at the table of contents. I don't think it does have a regular adventure in it. But even at forty pages, it's a packed forty pages. But oh, you yeah. you could read this whole thing in an afternoon and have some semblance of how to play the game. Um, is it yeah. help help me out with remembering though? Is this largely a D uh, per, It's a D one hundred based system, isn't it? Uh, yeah, D one hundred, D ten, sort of thing. You know, when you're creating a character uh, for your stats, you're just rolling. I think it's like six D ten per mm-hmm. stat. Okay. Okay. Uh, um, percent checks are made with a percentile die. It plays. Um, it has some similarities between it and the uh, Call of Cthulhu. Yes, that's right. Where That's you're right. trying to roll under your check that you're trying to make. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm remembering that now. Because um, I, I love the Call of Cthulhu system, and I felt like this was a good translation of that, where it's a little bit more noodly on some aspects, and um, but on other aspects, it's 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 less so. Um, it, it definitely plays in its own field. Um, you ha- Talk to us a little bit, if you would, about... What is it like to play Mothership? How long, if I come down and sit at, a t- at your table to play a game, how long am I going to be sitting there for, and what can I expect out of a standard night session? Gotcha. Well, first thing that I love about Mothership uh, on this aspect is uh, I've had, I've done, I've already started doing playtesting for my own module, mm-hmm. and I've had a few sessions, session zeros, where the people have never picked up Mothership before. They And some of them, some of these cases, they've never played an RPG before. Hmm. Um, I had their characters up and running in about 15 minutes, and maybe, and from then on, you, you know, they grasp the system in maybe about an hour or so. It's uh-huh. really easy to hit the ground running with this thing. Gotcha. Very cool. And then I know, like, um, I I have a module here called uh, Dead Planet, which is actually a few modules um, kind of Mm -hmm. welded together, right? Um, Is it reasonable to expect different games function different ways? Is it reasonable to expect that you would get through an adventure in one play? 
Or is this something where you would have like an ongoing campaign as part of the game's design? So what's beautiful about all of the modules that have come out so far for Mothership is they're pretty easily connected to each other. Like, you know, you were talking about Dead Planet, and then there's a Pound of Flesh. Uh, All of these things, it's very easy to say that you're a part of the same crew, and, you know, you just come to the realization, you tell your crew, hey, life is weird out in space, you know, you step on a station and you round the corner into a dark alley and... Maybe you're not seen again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love... Uh, I, I'm thinking about Dead Planet. One of the things that I like about that is, as I remember looking through it, there's really like three different sizes of modules in that. And like you said, like they can all be connected somewhat. But like the first module is literally like three pages long. Yep. Um, and to someone like me who was looking at not just playing it for the first time, but running it on my first playthrough and teaching it as I'm learning to a whole bunch of new people. Um, I can handle three pages. Um, really, anybody that's familiar with RPGs at all probably could handle three pages worth of a an adventure. Um, that, to me, makes this game really accessible, that I don't need to know how to run a 40-page adventure or 120-page adventure, if I can get these three pages down and kind of get a feel for how that story might go, um, we're good to go. Oh, yeah. It's definitely not like having to prepare for, like, Tomb of Annihilation or something like that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, So we talked about modules for a bit. Um, I'd like to steer this conversation to your module. Um, I found it because I'm always on Kickstarter. Um, And the art immediately caught my eye. Um, Your module is called Not Even the Bones. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, you label yourself as a third-party creator for the Mothership RPG. So this is 100% designed for the system, even though, as I understand it, you don't have any affiliation with the uh, Mothership crew? Correct, yeah. I am not on payroll. I'm just... A huge fan of Mothership. Um, I discovered the system and I just decided, well, I got to write for this. I I mean, I got to, if I'm going to make a sci-fi horror RPG from now on, it's probably going to be Mothership. Oh, yeah. Awesome. I love, so so you got some really, uh, and Troy, you feel free to jump in whenever. Of course, I feel like I'm talking a lot, but maybe that's because I always do. Um, You have some (laughs) really good art on here. Um, very, very evocative. And I want to compliment you for that right out the gate. Um, yeah, Carlos, uh, the artist for the module uh, is Carlos Bobadilla. I mean, he ha- has knocked it out of the park. Every time I've come to him, I give him my ideas. You know, it's been a great learning experience for me, like learning to tell someone like, this is my idea, you know, yeah, getting that out onto paper so then he can create it. It's it's been wild, and he's done such a good job. Yeah, there's it does look good. It it reminds me of I told Zach earlier. It reminds me of some of the interior art from Star Frontiers, the old TSR sci-fi. Mm-hmm. But this this definitely has a more a grounded feel to it, and. Especially the one with the whatever that that eyeball thing looking down, it's like 
Yeah, it's definitely got a creepy vibe to it. I, I can definitely dig it. Yeah. What I love um, about it was that, and I, I was curious as if this was intentional or not, but your art style is very close to the, to the standard Tuesday Night Games Mothership art style, but it's like just, just ever so slightly different. Um, was that intentional to be that close but kind of play with your own feel, or is that just a happy accident? It it turned out to be. I mean, I wanted it. To, I picked Carlos because his art style was actually pretty similar to mm-hmm. uh, what Mothership was doing. I liked that his stuff had a little more structure to it. Yep. Um, I mean, I I could have definitely gone for the more and if you actually. Some of the sketches that Carlos sent me, like just the rough sketches of um, the creature looking down on the uh, dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of those sketches are very similar to just, you know, what you see like on the cover of the Mothership um, book. Just a little bit more sketchy, a little bit more rough, leaving up things up to a little more interpretation, but you definitely know what it is sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The polish is... I'm just, yeah. <laughs> I I like it. I, I All that to say that, to me, that was another thing that sold me on it. Because, like I said, the artwork drew me in. And it drew me in because I looked at it, and quite honest, uh, this is not me BSing you. This is not me saying something for the podcast. I didn't see the tagline that said, uh, third-party adventure for a Mothership RPG. I just saw the name, and I saw the art, and I was like did Mothership get a new module? Is that what this is? And so I clicked on it and I read it and I'm like, yep, that's what this is. And then I read it a bit more thoroughly. I'm like, oh, it's third party. That's cool too. Um, so way to go for for creating something that fits right alongside everything else. Um, um, really well done. Um, well, thank you for that. So talk to us a bit about what is Not Even the Bones. Uh, we know it's a zine. Um, we know it's on Kickstarter, but what it, what are people getting in this scene? Yeah, so uh, Night of the Bones, um, feature-wise, you get yourself a um, fully realized uh, research facility, a space station uh, to explore. It's got dozens of rooms in it. Um, when I say fully realized, I mean, you know, it, I've designed this thing to have everything that it would need. You know, there's a utilities district there, or level um with electric uh water uh there's artificial ionosphere things like that mostly there so that they can have things that go wrong with it i want people (laughs) to be able to going into this thing i want people to uh wardens or dms to be able to decide beforehand okay what's wrong with the station what are they going to have to fix or what's additionally wrong because when they arrive the power will be off there will be only you know minor functional systems running like some life support here and there yada yada um all that so wardens can mix it up i mean you know if you're gonna i'd like to think that people would maybe run this more than once for a couple of other people Sure. Or a few different groups. And I know how... I want to give people the option to mix it up. Make it fresh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's a... It's a... Uh, uh, 
space station, and then it's been attacked by some strange new creatures. Is that kind of the that the the foil in all of this? Is these these new creatures and kind of discovering what's up there? Yeah. So the station was researching uh, these creatures. Uh, that are native to the planet that the station was built around. Uh, the story is essentially uh, the corporation that's behind the station had tried to establish a colony on that planet's surface. Uh, when it got wiped out and they investigated, they found these creatures, these shape-shifting creatures, um, who were able to mimic whatever they ate or whatever they came into contact with, you know. Mm. Crates, rocks, things of that nature. Um, and they decided, well, crap, we need to, <laughs> we need to research these dudes. We yeah. need to come up with some technology. So are these like space mimics? Is that a fair interpretation? Yep. I wanted them to be... So originally, I had actually planned on writing this as a uh, Starfinder module okay. before I had ever found Mothership. Uh, I, you know, started tippy typing along, and when I discovered the mothership, I ended up just converting it over to this. But I also cool. wanted these creatures to be a little bit more than just mimics. Mimics in D and D, you know, you see them, and a mimic treasure chest is always a treasure chest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they reveal themselves occasionally, you know, when they try to grab you, and there's tentacles and all that jazz. But they're always a treasure chest. Or whatever else they initially mimic. You know, a, a door mimic is going to be a door mimic. I mm. wanted these things to chase you down. I wanted them to be a little bit more eldritch, a little bit more shogothy. Yes. Thus the giant eye and that one piece of art. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, it's really cool. Um, what a... I'm going to give up. I'll say another compliment here, I guess. But um, uh, what I like about your Kickstarter is that it is to the point direct and it tells you what you're going to get. So you got into more detail here than what people could look at on the Kickstarter, maybe even and see. Um, and to me, that's a selling point for for your for your campaign is that you're able to condense down to a very clear premise, um, what your product is about. Um, it was enough for me. It's enough for Troy, who doesn't even own Mothership, to say this I don't even is own cool. Mothership. <laughs> yeah. I, I got through I got through where it says story. I got down, uh, I don't even know, I think like three sentences in. I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm done. I bought it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that to me, that to me conveys, and I guess I'm saying this for our listeners more than for anybody here, but like, Go to a Kickstarter and just find one that you like or one that interests you and just start reading it and see how long it takes you to buy in or not buy in. It's typically within the first paragraph or two. And um, it's it's it says a lot when the author or the creator is able to convey what the, their product is about quickly and effectively um, and and. The results are something like this, where we we have a yet another really cool product that's going to get made. It's successful. Uh, congratulations, by the way. I, we haven't said this yet, but your goal was three thousand. As of this recording, you're at thirty five hundred, almost thirty six hundred. Um, yeah. So you're going to make it. Um, 
that's a huge deal. This is your first Kickstarter. Um, what is what has the Kickstarter process been like? That's something that I'm always interested in when we talk to other creators. What was your process with Kickstarter? What do you think of the system? Um, and in, what would you tell somebody who's maybe considering, because we have several people who have reached out to us through this podcast and saying, how do I make my own pod or my own Kickstarter? Or what are some tips for us? Um, so what would you tell those folks about the Kickstarter process? Um, so getting set up is actually pretty, it's pretty intuitive. Um, Kickstarter has done a good job of pointing people in the right direction, letting people know, you know, throughout this process, I've gotten, I don't know if they're moder- uh, bleh, uh, just computer generated emails or not, but mm-hmm. I've gotten emails that have said, Hey, you know, it might be wise to throw in some more art or throw in maybe a little video introducing your product or you know, just little tidbits that made it a little bit nicer, I guess, a little sure. bit more enforcing. Mm-hmm. Um, like we were saying earlier, you know, once it started, you know, you live by that refresh <laughs> button, definitely being nervous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did you uh, feel free, please, to not to, to feel like you don't have to go into anything that you don't want to go into? But um, a curiosity that we always have is how did you get the word out about your product? Um, so that was another thing. Um, before this, I I really don't do social media too much. I have a Facebook page that mostly follows meme pages. And I really had to adapt to, I had to make a Twitter account. Um, You know, I had to actually talk about my project on social media and, you know, help promote. And that was, I, I hate trying to sell myself. I hate trying to brag. So that was just getting over that barrier has been interesting yeah yeah um that's that's been an interesting hurdle that i think a lot of the people that we've talked to and myself included had to overcome is and i I think i've about decided at this point that writers and creators are typically not social animals (laughs) um because it's typically that the easiest thing is writing the thing and the hardest thing is telling people about the thing you've written Mm mm-hmm Definitely. Um, so, uh, uh, but in this case, it was successful. Um, uh, I'm really excited about the zine format. I know that Mothership is already zine, so maybe that was an easy translation for you. But I am becoming more and more the diehard uh, z- zine proponent. The smaller size, the cheaper format, um, the accessibility Um to me, it's actually a really great medium that hasn't been picked up as much as I would like for it to be by the RPG world. Definitely, yeah. Zine Quest is probably one of the things that I look forward to in the winter now. Oh, yeah. On Kickstarter, just mm-hmm. going through, looking at all these cool ideas that get pitched around. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and I, I, I just imagine a world, and I don't know, maybe I'm the only one who would be excited about this, but I imagine a world where um, you could go into your 
uh, your local uh, hobby shop, and there would be the hardbacks, and that there's always going to be a space for the hardback. But you could walk in, and if you wanted to run uh, Call of Cthulhu, that you could go and browse a uh, a rack of zines for Call of Cthulhu, or if you wanted Mothership, or if you wanted um, um, even like a Star Wars RPG, you know, uh, which I know we're kind of in a transition there, but um, I think any of those would be just so much fun and so so much more easily consumable if I could go in and pay 15 or 20 bucks for a product instead of 50 every time, you know? Oh, definitely. So, oh, yeah. yeah. And not everything needs a $50 product, you know? Um, I think that's what Mothership and some other zines are conveying. Uh, um, um, like, like the one I talked about earlier, Dead Halt. Um, that doesn't need a hardback publication. It's, it's good enough. It's great. Um, in the small format, and uh, it got made, so that's all that matters. So, anyhow, well, hey, uh, is there anything else, William, that you would like to say or notate or shout out or send people to um, before we close out here? Um, if you like, uh, if you're interested in Mothership, um, I would suggest just going on to Tuesday Night Games' uh, website. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can actually, if you want to download the game um, for, I think you can actually get it for free. Uh, I think that's right. The, yeah. course, the core book, anyways, download it. Oh. Mm-hmm. So if you just want to check it out, you know, it makes, uh, especially in these times when it's you know, not wise to have in-person gatherings. Um, you know, you can just download the core rulebook, um, play some games of you know over Discord or something with some groups. Yeah, yeah, uh, right yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Yep, it's a free PDF. I just double checked. Absolutely, go on there. Um, I'll note just in case anybody's like, why are they talking so long about this little mothership scene? Uh, Mothership won the any last year for best game, and it won uh, a silver medal uh, for best adventure, Dead Planet. So um, it is well worth checking out. It's widely recognized as uh, as an incredible game. I certainly certain you're not going to be disappointed. Um, I'll post yeah, a link my, as my, well. Go ahead. Like I say, my my group is very uh, hesitant about uh playing things other than dnd well not all of them but some of them are rather hesitant about playing things other than dnd and i think this is going to be one of those i just drop in front of them and go yep and i'm i have a feeling they're going to have an absolute blast yep yep um we'll post a link definitely to uh the not even the bones uh kickstarter um william last thing i like to ask people before we close out here um is uh, do you have uh, we, so we know that not even the bones is going to fund you know uh, I think you talked about it being deliverable in like February of next year do you have a I'd plan like to get it out before then that, yeah. but 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 yeah in the world that we live in uh, it's best to to set expectations at a very very reasonable level definitely um, is there is there something else on the horizon that you're looking towards or are you just focused on uh, bones for the minute um, I mean, obviously my first, um, 
priority is to go ahead and get the process rolling for this. It's already written, so a lot of this stuff is going to be out of my hands. It's going to go to my editor, get a rewrite, mm-hmm. more art made, yada yada. Um, I do have a few other adventures um, planned. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to get something uh, for the next zine quest. Yes. Uh, we'll see what comes down the road, though. Absolutely. Well, uh, we will look forward to it. Uh, if you come out with anything else and you would like to come on here and hype it, um, we would love to have you again. So just reach out um, and and we'll, we, we'd love to do another interview. So Awesome. Well, thank you so much, for William, for uh, hanging out with us for an evening. Uh, thanks to my co-host, Troy, for hanging out as well. Uh, yeah, thank thank you, thank you, William. That was uh, I am I am even more excited to play it now. <laughs> Good. Uh, for all of you listeners, uh, check out the links in uh, in the show notes below. Um, go head over to our Facebook, Bite Size Gaming. Um, head over to our Kickstarter while you're checking out. Not even the bones. Go check out Mother Sh- uh, Mother Load. Um, that will be on there until next week. So I'd love to have you guys uh, on board for that as well. Um, Until then, until next week, uh, we'll see you later. Great gaming, everybody. Thank you, William. Thank you.